invited to the Sunday service. <laughs> Thank you. That's an amazing welcome. Thank you, Katia and Julian. It's just a privilege to be able to share. You know, sometimes you've got to put on your own conference to share at it. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, it, but it is a privilege to be just able to uh, share and to kind of just hopefully, I want to just position things for what I believe is happening in this moment. I think it's an amazing moment, an amazing day, an amazing time, not just because it's Julian and Rich's birthday, though we do celebrate that, but I do feel it's just a moment of favor that we're getting to host as a people, as a grouping, as a city, and I just recognize uh, Bob and Kim, as I've mentioned, and they're coming into the city, just sensing God doing something here and committing to keep coming in. We just recognize God's doing something that he's highlighting, even from a prophetic, a prophetic perspective. We see Julian and Katia, how they've made this home, and uh, we just celebrate that, this city, that it gets to partner with gifts like theirs. And just for Eric, just once again, thank you for taking the time to come to Durban. We, we're just so grateful for that. And then I've mentioned Louis and Edna once again. It was uh, eight years ago that you prayed me in here, and so it's just a, a privilege for me to have you here today as I share. Let me just pray as we kick off. Spirit of God, we're just so aware of your presence. We're just so aware of what you are doing, of just heaven touching earth, even as we see that picture on a wall and what it symbolizes. We just thank you, Lord, just for fresh creativity, fresh eyes to see, fresh expectation and anticipation in our hearts, Lord, that we would make space for in faith that which you are doing and still wanting to do in the rest of our time together. Thank you, Lord, just for honor's reward as we just recognize those who you've brought into the city. I thank you that we get to host this. I thank you for every leader, every um, business leader, church leader, every uh, church member here, every person that's come here today. I just pray, Lord, that they would experience something of your grace, your favor, your goodness, uh, what you're doing of that in this moment just to be imparted to their lives. And most of all, Lord Jesus, we turn our attention to you because you are the ultimate renaissance. You are the ultimate one who holds the place of beauty and reviving and renewal and life and all that is attached to that. So we turn our focus on you, even as Father, we feel the smile of heaven down upon us in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like to start off with a joke. I hope you don't mind. I don't want to shift the atmosphere, but I definitely will try and pull it into my message to give it meaning. But I heard about a pastor, and he was uh, trying to control his budget, as many of us are trying to do. And uh, in that, him and his wife had spoken just about spending and how they needed to pull back. And anyway, one day he was looking through the, the trash can, as us husbands do at times, and he came across a receipt for a $250 dress. And he said to his wife, sweetie, how could you do this? And she responded and she said, well, I was outside the store looking at the dress in the window, and then I just found myself trying it on. She said, it was like Satan was whispering in my ear, you look fabulous in that dress, buy it. And the pastor said, well, well, sweetie, we've spoken about this. When this happens, just say, Satan, get behind me. She said, I did, but the problem was, he said, this dress looks even better from behind. <laughs> It's got an aspect of beauty attached to it at some part to pull into the message. 
But when we, when, when we speak about renaissance, it means renewal. It means a rebirth. It means a revival. It speaks of fresh life and vigor. It speaks of something of beauty that's intrinsic in the nature of God, as you've seen, as you've even signed up. We see this picture being expressed there with those words in it. And I loved reading just a blog by Paul Manwaring when he was saying that part of the inspiration for the Renaissance, if you look back, was some of the creative works, but also the literature of Greek and Rome. And when you look in the ancient literature of the Greeks, they would often speak of this word horaios. And what it means of beauty, it means that there's a certain timing and season. There's a certain moment of beauty where things flourish and things start to take effect and to come into full bloom. And that word actually means, if you break it down, it means this, to be in one's finest hour. Isn't that a beautiful statement? As we're looking at this word renaissance, what it means for us as we gathered here today, as people of the kingdom, sons and daughters of the kingdom, there's something of a being in our finest hour that we know that all creation is groaning, all creation is waiting, all creation is longing so that they can see the sons and daughters of God come into the fullness of who we are because that knows that in that moment there will be liberty that's waiting to see us in our finest hour. And there's something of a renaissance taking place where we get to be the answer for the question that's provoking creation at this moment because of what God the Father is doing through his pleasure in and through us as sons and daughters that he's brought into family. And so I'm wanting to touch on that a little bit today and to look at what that looks like for us to be in our finest moment and our finest hour. And if, if you will allow me, I just wanna to speak to you. I wanna encourage you. I, I'm aware, as I've said, of just the, the gifts that we have in the house. And I just wanna create an anticipation in your hearts for what God is wanting to do, that you would make room for that. So I wanna look at two scriptures. The first one is Isaiah 61. And the second one will be Luke 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can open there, turn them on, look at the screen, whatever you choose to do. And in Isaiah 61, we see this prophecy. He, he's a prophet that was amazingly respected, quoted throughout, um, through Jesus's ministry, through Paul's, through Peter's. Uh, he was a prophet who just was systematic. He was a statesman. It was easy to understand his prophetic words. He was very articulate. Uh, we see his prophecies coming at pivotal times. At Christmas, we look at Isaiah 7, which speaks about Emmanuel, God with us. We know at Easter we read Isaiah 53 and it's the picture of the cross. It's the picture of his betrayal. It's the picture of his death. It speaks of his resurrection. It speaks of um, the spirit of God coming upon Jesus, what that would look like and what that would mean. And we see that he prophesies 750 years before Jesus' arrival. That's where we jump into with Luke 4. We get to see the start of Jesus' ministry. And it's this amazing moment because Jesus is... We know that he's about to just launch into the fullness of his ministry and he's been raised in a rural town. And many of those towns, they would have synagogues, but they wouldn't have full-time uh, workers in the synagogues, full-time priests. That would be in the Jerusalem where the festivals were happening. That would take place in terms of the ministering around that. But here in the rural areas, they would actually have people that would take up that role. They would pre-assign the, the readings of the day, the teaching of the day, 12 months in advance. They would set it so that, uh, that the, the community could engage with what God was doing. And it would be a moment much like this, coming to a synagogue. 
they would say about 150 to 200 people, and uh, it would be more in a sense like a church service where you would come and you know that there would be a time of worship, there would be the reading of the word, there would be prayer that would happen, and as I mentioned, there was no full-time priest. And then what they would do is someone in that moment would come up to read and there would be like a coffee table in the front which there would be scrolls of set reading in and that individual would take the scroll that was allocated for the day and he would open it up and in reading it he would unfurl it to the reading for the day you wouldn't get to choose it and this is what we see taking place in this moment and i'm telling you it for a reason because many of us have come here and it's a conference and I know there's excitement in our hearts, but maybe we've come and we've thought, well, I, I kind of know what to expect. It's gonna be a high praise and worship. It's gonna be a word that's gonna inspire me and maybe I'm gonna get a prophetic word and then I will go back out into the week and hopefully something like that will come up soon again. And for these people, that's what synagogue was like. They kind of had an idea of what was gonna take place and what was gonna be impactful, but on this, particular day, on this particular day, at this particular moment, in this particular season, something was going to take place that was totally different because they were sitting in the middle of a miracle. There was something of sovereignty and, and the historical nature of what was going to take place and unfold, unfold in that moment. And everybody's life was going to change. Everything was going to shift. Nothing was going to be the same again. It wasn't just going to be business as usual. And my encouragement to us as we hear today is I wanna to say to you that if you can position your heart, if you can posture yourself in faith, if you can ready yourself to receive, I believe that even, and I forgot, uh, Katia, you highlighted it, it's my eight years of having led. Eight means new beginnings, and I heard people praying about a newness and a new season. I just feel that this can be a key moment of renaissance in our lives personally, but also corporately and for us as a city. Can you be in faith with me in believing that? That we're sitting in the middle of a miracle, we're sitting in the middle of a shift, it's a new hour, it can be our finest hour. We can start to live in liberty, walk in liberty, release liberty. We can start to cause the answer to the provocation that's in the, in the city around us. That they can discover beauty as that statement says on the doors as you walked in. This is a different moment. Because catch this, this is the first time that the prophecy and the person whom the prophecy was about was actually gonna be the one reading the prophecy. That's what's, what's taking place in this moment. There's something of a prophetic fulfillment that's taking place here where the person being prophesied is actually the one that's gonna read the prophecy, fulfill the prophecy, release the prophecy, enact the prophecy, and it was gonna be a total shift in what they're experiencing. It's a fresh breath that was sweeping in. And if there's that place in your heart where you can engage with that hunger, where you can say, I haven't come here just to be at this conference to maybe be entertained or maybe be intrigued or maybe I've been dragged along, but if you can say, I, I want this to be my moment. I wanna trust that there's gonna be that shift in me, that there's gonna be something of heaven meeting earth. There's gonna be something of, of that that takes place. I wanna say that this is your hour and this can be your finest hour. And so we, we look here of what's taking place and we see this amazing moment starting to unfold and Jesus is the one who's gonna read the outworking of this prophecy, Luke 14, verse 16. And it says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on that Sabbath day 
and he stood up to read. It was his habit to do so. He had done this before. And as he was handed the book of the prophet, you see, he never took it. He was given it. It's not like he thought, this is my moment. I'm going to find the place. I'm going to take my chance. But he was actually given it. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is the key thing happening here. As Jesus is taking this, he's not only going to read a passage to them, but he's actually going to declare to them his job description. That's what's taking place as he takes it. And it's this moment where sovereignty engages with humanity, where the miracle meets with the application. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he was saying, as he was saying that, he was meaning him. The spirit of the Lord is upon him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And as he said me, in that moment, heaven and earth kissed. In that moment, prophecy and fulfillment came together. In that moment, there was a divine synergy that was happening in the room. In that moment, something of the electricity of heaven started to spark the atmosphere, and something started to break loose in that place. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and there's a fresh breath that enters. We know that there's something happening. We know that these people gathered here see something has shifted in that moment because they start to see and to say, as we read from verse 19 onwards, they start to say, why is he reading like that? Why are his words so powerful? Is this not Joseph, the carpenter's son? This isn't the normal. This isn't the usual. This isn't the way it normally is. But something of who the God is and of his presence has entered the room. And the atmosphere has become electric because it's an atmosphere of, of the miraculous. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And here's the word I'm wanting to say when I'm speaking about being in our finest hour, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And in other versions, it's to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I wanna say that you and I will start to look like we are in our finest hour when we can engage with the favor of God that he is pouring out upon us. When we can come into agreement with the provision that is already ours and that he is desperate to see us walking in the fullness of. We can start to step into that and live into that. And so Jesus is reading here what's his job description. You see, up to that moment, they had seen some miracles. You know, Elijah had performed about seven, maybe Elisha about 14, and there had been others that had taken place, but they had never seen the widespread breakout of the kingdom coming. They had never seen that widespread impact of heaven invading earth. They had never seen the widespread outworking where brokenhearted, where captives, where blind, where people in that place were encountering the freedom and the liberty that the kingdom of God brings. And now it's starting to happen because this is an open heaven sort of moment. There are miracles taking place that God is saying that this, these things can be present. They can happen every moment, every prayer, any time, any hour. As soon as we start to engage with faith and believe that we are the ones who get to usher that in because Jesus has declared his favor over us. And so if you're here today and you're in agreement, I want, I want you to just declare this with me in faith. Say, now is the hour. Now, now is the hour for the shift to take place. Because I believe, you don't have to say that, but I love your... I love your engagement with me. Because there's something about us 
as the church, as the believers, as the community of God in the mission of God in this city, that there has to be something that happens in us that causes us to be able to lean into the not yet wanting to bring it into the now. There's something that's got to take place where we are not willing to just relegate the promises of God and his prophetic word and what we are believing and hoping for to tomorrow without saying, no, it can be a today moment. Because today there are people that are caught up in their brokenness. Today there are people that are in captivity. Today there are people that are needing the healing touch and the presence of God. And Jesus says, it's a now moment. He says, I'm going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's something of a proclamation that's taking place. And when you proclaim something, you're targeting that which you're saying. And he says, I'm going to proclaim that it's the year of the Lord's favor. It's a now thing. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing's going to hinder it. Nothing's going to hold it back. I'm proclaiming, I'm breaking every restriction and I'm causing it to be accomplished. It's going to take place, say with me one more time, now. And I love this because here's the part that gets me. I'm preaching way quicker than I anticipated. We're going to have a wonderful coffee break, but some ministry as well. It's a now moment. The coffee into the now. <laughs> they say pauses are imp impactful. I'm going to need to pause a lot to fill my time. I'll just look like I'm pondering. See, in history, history, the year of Jubilee was every 50 years. I had to research this because I'm not one that knows this. I apologize. I don't have a shofar or anything like that. I loved Israel. I did go there. I absolutely loved that time. But supposedly 2017 going into 2018 is the year of Jubilee, according to Google. And in history, the year of Jubilee was every 50 years that there was a ram's horn that would be blown. And it would have a certain sound, it would have a certain blast to it, it would have a certain length and temperance to the note that was played, and it would shift things and cause things to happen in anticipation of hearts for what was promised and what was breaking out because there had been prophecy and the fulfillment was going to take place. It was a, it was a promise of a liberation and transformation. That's what Jubilee spoke of, liberation and transformation. One uh, commentary said it was a liberation from physical and spiritual evils, from interior lacerations, from the condition of slavery, and it was a, a transformation of the way one feels and the way one exists. It was a shifting out of mourning into joy. So it's liberation and transformation, and they would blow this ram's horn that would signal this, and it would mean I'm coming out of slavery. It would mean I'm coming out of brokenness. It would mean I'm coming out of that which has been hindering me and blinding me and holding me back. I'm coming out and I'm coming into all that God has for me. I'm coming out of, a, of my darkest hour, as Winston Churchill would say, and I'm coming into my finest hour, as the Lord would say. There was something of that which was taking place. But the beauty in this moment is there's no ram's horn being blown. And if you look at it, this wasn't the Jubilee year where Jesus reads this. But there's this moment where Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the ram's horn, and I'm going to be the one that no matter what an earthly calendar says, 
I'm going to declare a spiritual reality. I'm shifting things. I'm saying it's a new moment. It's a new day. It's a new era. It's a new hour. It's your finest hour because your finest hour is going to be an hour where you come into the beauty which speaks of grace, the favor, the kindness of all that God has to bring because I'm not only bringing you into it, but I want to establish you and so you can live and move from that place and cause that provocation for creation to see the hope they are called to because of the liberty that is visible in your life and mine. There's a beauty about that. There's a grace about that. There's a, a power about that. There's a, there's a revolution that can take place because of a revelation that you have in your heart. I don't want to give my age away, but I enjoyed the script, uh, the band, the script, and they've got a song where they say a, a revolution doesn't happen with a revelation. It takes blood, toil, and sweat. I want to say there's been no revolution without an awakening that precedes it. I disagree with them at this point because I want to say that when you have a revelation of who he is and who you are in him and who you belong to, something shifts internally that causes a revelation, I mean a revolution in who you are. That word awakening means that it means a rising up, it means a, a rousing up in who you are. And that word revolution means this, it means a, a, a regime change and a new system being put into place. The system of the kingdom, the order and the reign of our God. And so Jesus says in this moment, I'm setting the calendar and I'm not the prophetic representation at this conference, but I'm gonna take my moment and I'm gonna make a prophetic declaration over all of you if you will take it. I wanna say this is a moment where you can set the calendar, where you can say, Jesus, I'm taking your word and with that which you have spoken, that you declare over me your proclamation and with it I am receiving that ram's horn blast and I am setting the calendar that this is a new day and it's a moment of your favor. And I'm stepping into and stepping up into this finest hour. And whatever has been resisting you is no longer gonna delay you. Whatever has been challenging you, you are gonna overcome. Whatever has been hindering you is gonna be removed because there is an opening that is coming because of what God has done where those clouds that have been hanging over you are gonna be blown out and they're gonna be rain-laden clouds of the rain of God that are coming over just to rain upon you afresh. And I'm speaking a newness and freedom and finance. I'm speaking a newness of attitude. I'm speaking about open doors. I wanna say set the calendar and align to God's timing because this Renaissance moment is not just the conference, but it's a new season. Take it and receive it. And we can either, either just push it off, like maybe some of those in the synagogue did where they said, you know, I've heard this sort of stuff before. It's not the right moment in the calendar. It's not the year of Jubilee. But there were others that say, but didn't he say the Spirit of God was upon him? Didn't he say that this was a moment of healing for the brokenhearted? Didn't he say that this was a moment of liberty to the captive? Didn't he say that he was gonna open blind eyes? Didn't he say that he was gonna bring freedom? Didn't he say that this was the acceptable year? Didn't he say that his favor was upon us? And I've got an uncle who's broken, I've got a mother who's sick, I've got a friend who's in bondage, I've got a marriage that needs healing, and I'm not gonna wait for a calendar date, I'm gonna align myself to the Word of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the person of God, what the the Spirit is doing, and I'm going to take hold of everything that's available of the expansivity and the extravagance and the lavishness of God's kingdom because I want to be dressed for my finest hour and the beauty and the provision that God has to bring. 
dressed a little bit like Julian in his finest style. He lo even looks like he's flourishing with that shirt on him. Floral, looks great. John 1.51. We see that Jesus speaks about, it speaks of Jesus and the heavens being opened and the angels ascending and descending upon him. And it's this vision that Jacob had where Jesus would be a ladder where the activity of heaven would take place. Heaven invading earth in a sense. And wherever Jesus went, he put up a ladder. When he was in a home, he put up a ladder. When he was on a hillside, he put up a ladder. When he was in a, a synagogue, he put up a ladder. Wherever Jesus went, he put a ladder so that there could be the activity of heaven. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself. I want to encourage um, this community. I want to encourage church leaders. We are called to be ladders we are the body of Christ, that the kingdom activity, heaven invading earth, the angelic can be ascending and descending because we need to be the entrance point for the hope, for the, the richness of heaven to invade homes and businesses and cities and marriages and lives. We get to be a ladder. And here's this word that we've been speaking about, the favor of God. Uh, I, I love it when we look at it. We, we align ourselves to his favor. Because I'm saying it's the favor of God because we're not aligning ourselves to man's favor. You know, man's favor can open doors for you, can open the wrong doors for you. But there's something about divine favor that it will open up and it will bless you when you go in and it will close doors behind you and bless you when you go out. And even if the enemy comes at you in one direction, he's gonna need to flow, flee in seven. There's something about divine favor that is something different. We align with that. I'm not talking about man's favor. With God's favor, you don't have to try and buy it. You don't have to try and beg it. You don't have to try and wrangle to get it. There's something about who, what is hard is the Father's favor that he wants to pour out on us and we want to align with that but this is what it means when you look at that word favor and the different times it's referred to in the Greek and the Hebrew and the richness of it it means this take it it means increased influence it means supernatural turnarounds it means limitations broken it means dreams awakened it means missed opportunities redeemed it means wide open new doors of divine possibilities that are being made available. And it's not talking about um, that, we, that, that we don't have issues, that we don't have faults maybe, that we don't have areas in our life that are out of line. It's not speaking about that. It's speaking about the favor of God that when we find ourselves hidden in Christ, he looks at us differently. He blesses us, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. And I love this statement, all of heaven is attracted to Jesus and you and me. All of heaven is attracted to Jesus and you and me. And it's something of the grace of God that we get to live into that. I love what Graham Cook says. He says, grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to become what he sees when he looks at you. Can I read that again? Graham Cook. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to become what he sees when he looks at you. And so when you come today, he's wanting to see you come into this. He, he said, this is the year of my favor, not so that you could beg, not that you could try and harangue it, not that you could try and make it happen in your own. He's saying, I'm wanting to favor you. I'm wanting you to be in your finest hour. I'm wanting to bring this beauty even in the midst of your brokenness because that's what I do. My sort of beauty doesn't have to be separated from brokenness. I took my beauty and did the most beautiful act you would ever see, the most beautiful expression of love. I did it in the most terrifying, gruesome, horrific, revolting place you could do. I took my love and displayed it on the cross. My sort of love pursues you in the midst of your brokenness 
That's my sort of grace. That's my sort of favor. That's my sort of kindness. And so when you're here today and you're saying this renaissance moment, I've got no clue what time I'm meant to finish. This renaissance moment. Powerful pauses. Renaissance moment. Thank you, Rich. Maybe you have felt a bit disconnected from his favor. Maybe in this moment you felt a little bit removed from his grace. Maybe at this moment you felt a little bit distant. Maybe you felt, I'm reaching, but I just can't feel his touch. Maybe you see other people that have come into moments and you say, but I see favor on them and I see grace on them and I see it all happening around them. Looks like they're in their finest style. But why do I feel so broken? I want you in faith to reach and say, I'm believing for increased influence, Lord. I'm believing for a supernatural turnaround. I'm believing in your favor that it will break those limitations. I'm believing where that dream has died in my heart and where I just cannot see it taking place that I'm gonna see it awakened in you. We have missed opportunities time and time and time again, and those doors of opportunity aren't even opening anymore. They're bolted shut. I'm believing for missed opportunities to be redeemed. And I'm thanking you, Lord, for wide open doors of divine possibility because favor has a way of doing things differently. We see it with Ruth and Naomi. We see Naomi's in a moment where her husband have died, her, her two sons have died. She's returning home empty-handed, going to a place where she's got no hope of a future. And in the midst of going back, she's saying her name means pleasant. It actually, if you look at it, the root of that word, it means pleasant, it means favor, it means beauty, it means those things. That's what her name means. But in going back, she says, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter, call me Mara, call me bitter, because I have left this place full, but I'm returning empty, and I've lost everything, and all I have is a daughter-in-law who's coming with me, and she won't leave me, but she's a Moabite, and there's no future in her. That's what she's feeling, this place of bitterness, but the beauty is this, right next to Naomi was everything she needed for her future, because with her was Ruth, and you know what Ruth means? It means vision of beauty. You see, Naomi tried to change her name to mean, don't call me a pleasant, don't call me favorite, don't call me beautiful, call me bitter. But in the midst of her bitterness and brokenness, there was something of the expression of the heart of God and Jesus' pursuing love that follows with her, that won't leave her, that says, I'm gonna go where you go. So wherever she went, she had a vision of beauty and renaissance and something of what it means to be in her finest hour. Because even when you are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself and he's with you and he's declaring favor of you, over you even when you don't feel it. And sometimes we can feel broken, but he says, if you'll let me breathe on your brokenness, if you'll just let me breathe on your brokenness. You know what brokenness speaks of? Brokenness speaks of in a geological sense, it speaks of where there's been volcanic explosions, and maybe you've experienced volcanic explosions in your life, 
Maybe there have been seismic events. Maybe there's been the grinding of light that causes the breaking up of the rocks. But you can either drag those rocks around and let them be a burden, or you can start to throw your brokenness, those rocks at other people, or you can bring your brokenness before God. You can build an altar and you can say, breathe afresh on it, Lord. Breathe afresh on me, Lord. Because when he breathes on your brokenness, there's something beautiful that unfolds. Come and breathe on my brokenness once again, Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, maybe you're in a place where you're in this situation and you're thinking, Lord, how's this gonna happen? Uh, I cannot see it unfolding in, in the place where I find myself. And this is what it says in verse 18, and I'm reading from the New International Greek commentary. It says this, this new, can we put it on the screen? This new situation is wholly God's doing. For he is the one who restored us to his favor through the work of Christ. Don't you love that? You can know in the situation you're in, in the midst of the circumstance that you are in, that this situation, what God is wanting to do, his favor that he's wanting to pull out, his grace, his goodness, his kindness, his lavishness to bring you into a new moment and a new season, that situation is wholly God's doing. You don't have to put it on yourself. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try and make it happen because it says it is wholly my doing. He is the one who restores favor to us through the work of Christ. He is the one that is doing it. You can be restored. You can be repositioned. You can know that um, this is your moment because you've been covered by the blood. It doesn't matter the shame, the guilt, the flaws, and the doubt you have. It's a new day. It's holy his doing. He is the one who favors and brings it about. And, and Bob highlighted this to me um, in one of his times here, just such a powerful scripture, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. We can see the shift that happens. And I'm gonna wanna pray for us in a moment, I'm gonna declare something over us and then I'm gonna invite Julian and Katia to just come and uh, just facilitate a little bit of time of ministry because really my hope and my desire was to provoke something in your hearts that we could say there's an expectation for that renaissance moment to take place while we're here. But here is um, 2 Corinthians 6 verse two and it says this, see the shift of time that takes place here. Hear what God says. When the time came for me to show you favor, I heard you. When the day arrived for me to save you, so are you. I helped you. Listen, this is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Some of us here are just saying, but Lord, it feels like I just cannot experience that open heaven, that cannot experience that ascending and descending of your angelic host which has been sent to, to serve us and what we call to. I cannot feel that connection. I feel that disconnect. And he's saying this. When the time came, when you were calling out, I heard you. I know there are men and women here today who've been calling out and believing for the kindness, the grace, the favor of God just for a fresh moment of that in their life because they've been feeling disconnected. I wanna say, he says, I hear you. I've heard you. When you were calling out for help and he's saying, just, I just don't know if I can do that. He says, I helped you. This is his promise. This is the beauty of this moment. He hears, he helps. Whether it be in your, your finances, business, workplace, relationships, whether it be in your church, wherever it might be, he is wanting to set the calendar. So I just wanna pray for us at this moment. Can I ask you to stand?